Welcome to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I am your host, Tara Reinbolt, and it is my mission to help you take back control of your life, overcome burnout, and reclaim your happiness. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. I went from totally burned out human resources professional looking to find my purpose in life to finally kicking burnout to the curb and finding my God-led mission. If you're ready to start living your best life today, like right now, literally this second, then you've come to the right place. Consider me your own personal business and life coach. Now let's get this party started and dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Burnout to Bless. I hope everyone is doing well today, and I am thankful for you tuning in to the first episode. We are now going to wrap up by going over the last two phases of burnout, which let me tell you, (laughs) they're not as pretty as the ambition wrapped in a pretty bow and the if only You don't even know that you're in the if-only phase. (laughs) These phases are brutal, my friends, and we are going to dive into that here in a second. The last episode, I left you with a truth bomb, and you may not even have picked up on it or realized it, which is the cycle of burnout is actually created through making habits. It all starts in the ambition phase where you're focusing too much on one thing. For me, it was the thought that I need to prove myself. If I don't prove myself, then they're going to see that I'm an imposter, that I'm not good enough. All of these things are going to fall apart for me and I'm never going to get to my future goal. So that was my main thought that sent me down the rabbit hole of the ambition phase. And this thought then put me on a hamster wheel of other thoughts. And all of these other thoughts supported my main thought, which was that I need to prove myself. And as a result, I then became anxious that if I didn't prove myself, that there would be negative consequences and that I would never reach my future ambitious goals. And then the anxiety propelled me into a new set of thoughts which was if I don't get X, Y, and Z done, then I'm not going to prove myself. Everyone is going to doubt me and all of these negative consequences would happen. The world would fall apart. (laughs) So you see how one set of thoughts of I need to prove myself then propelled me into another thought of if I don't get X, Y, and Z done, the world is going to fall apart. So that's how burnout works. Your thoughts are essentially providing you with an emotion and then the emotion circles back to a thought and you go back and forth, back and forth. And that's how you move from one phase into another phase. So do you see how our thoughts send us on a tailspin of emotions that are bringing up new thoughts that supports the main thought in each phase? In phase one, it's I need to prove myself. In phase two, it's if only. Now, what I left you in last episode is that you're actually creating habits. And how you're doing this 
is you're unconsciously creating habits because you're following the same neural pathway over and over again, which is thought, feeling, action, result. It is important to know that in the ambition and if only phase, your results are actually positive, (laughs) which is the kryptonite. Why is it the kryptonite? Why I say this is because you're showing your brain that your thoughts, feelings, and actions will produce good results. So therefore, you've proven that your thoughts are indeed true. Whoa, (laughs) I hope I just blew your mind there. Now your brain takes this as 100% fact, 100% truth. And that is the only way to get the results that you want to achieve or good results is by following that process that you've established. Thought, feeling, action equals awesome result, right? (laughs) So what you've done is you've given your brain a license to put this process on autopilot. Our brain is designed to be efficient, and that is why habits are created. Habits are created in order to save our brain the time and energy of figuring something out over and over again. Our brain tries to save time and energy in order to make room for learning new things, making different decisions that you don't make on a routine basis. Let's take driving for example. You have to learn how to operate the gas pedal, the brake pedal, all while paying attention to your surroundings so that you don't crash the car, (laughs) so that you don't run into the mailbox, whatever it may be. After you've completed the same actions over and over again, you've become less stressed because you've made it home in one piece. You didn't die. (laughs) So your brain catalogs this into a habit. Therefore, you don't even think about each step in the process. You're automatically hitting the gas in order to go. You're automatically hitting the brake in order to stop. The reward is you're no longer frustrated by learning something new. You're no longer stressed. You're no longer feeling unsafe. You've made it to your destination safely. I'm sure most of us can relate to driving to and from a certain place and having no recollection of how we got there in the first place. This is because the driving process is on autopilot. But when you look back on all of the things that you're doing at once while driving, it's a lot of things. You're looking around at your surroundings. You're playing with the windshield wipers. You're playing with the radio. Some of you are eating. Some of you are talking. That's a lot to be doing all at one time. And that's because 95% of what you're doing has become a habit and you're on autopilot. So moral of the story is you're unconsciously creating a set of decisions that are now on autopilot and that's not good. (laughs) So when your family is saying you're choosing work over your family, you're choosing to do this, you're choosing to do that, what's really happening is your brain is unconsciously following the same process over and over again, and you're on autopilot. So the consciousness of, I have to go see my family, I have to go do this, I have to meet my obligations, that is now removed from the equation because you're on autopilot. 
and you're on autopilot in the worst way possible. So what is happening here is your actions are now creating adverse effects in other areas of your life. For example, you're making the decision to stay at work late over and over again. At first, you were rewarded by receiving thank yous from your boss, from your coworkers. You're doing such a good job. You're going above and beyond. And that recognition was fueling you to work harder. It was proving that you needed to stay late in order to get all the things done. So you are being rewarded by doing so, which is what led you to make the same decision over and over again to work late, to overachieve is what was happening, right? But now it's become the new norm. They have come to expect this of you. So when you don't send out those emails before you leave for work, they're wondering what happened. And as a result, you feel awful that you disappointed everyone. Additionally, since you're always working late, your relationship with your spouse becomes strained. They're no longer supportive of your actions. So you see how the results went from good to bad, which has led you to experience negative emotions. This is the process that walks you right into phase three of burnout, which is called the victim phase. Now you're justifying the stress in your life, the overwhelm in your life by blaming it on everyone else. That is why it's called the victim phase. So what a day in the life of the victim phase looks like is it's your demanding boss's fault that you work long hours because they give you too much work to do and their deadlines are not taking that into consideration. Your colleague is difficult to deal with. So it's just easier for you to do it yourself. Your family isn't supportive and they don't get the demands that you're under. And a way to tell that you're in this phase is if you're venting to anyone and everyone that will listen. I was guilty of this. It got to the point where my husband would tell me, I don't want to hear about work anymore. You've been at work all day and then you're coming home and you're talking to me about work. So what I did In order to alleviate the stress, which is what I thought would alleviate the stress, mind you, (laughs) I thought if I talked about all of the things that were bothering me, that I would be able to just move on from it. And that was not the case. So what I would do is I'd call my mom and I would vent to her because she was in HR and she would know exactly what I was talking about. But what was happening is because she knew exactly what I was talking about, She was enabling me in so many ways and had no clue that she was doing so or that I was doing so because we were just venting. We were just getting the stress out, right? But what would happen is throughout talking about it, I would relive the stress over again for a second time. And sometimes hearing a different point of view would only put me into a new tailspin of thoughts of, oh my gosh, I should have handled it this way. I should have handled it that way. Or everyone sucks. (laughs) It's everyone else's fault and they need to step up to the plate. Why doesn't anyone get that I'm drowning here and I need help? That is what would happen by reliving this stress over and over again. So unfortunately, in this phase, you're a victim of circumstance. But the worst part is you don't even realize you're in the process of chasing greener pastures. 
if you were to provide someone that's really close to you the list of signs and symptoms of the victim phase, I bet you they would check every box and say, this is you, this is you, and this is you. And you're so in the emotion piece of it that you have no idea that you're doing that. You have no idea that you're blaming others. You have no idea that your whole life is one big vent session. (laughs) And they would have to provide you with actual examples for you to have that realization that, oh my gosh, I am in the victim phase. Oof. And it is not a good look, my friends. Let me tell you. (laughs) So what happens here is you think it's your circumstances. So now you're chasing new circumstances because if you just get rid of what is causing you the stress and the burnout, everything will magically go back to normal. You'll get back to your happy place. Over the course of my career, I changed HR jobs four times in eight years. Now, the first two years, I was in New Mexico, and then we moved back to the Michigan area. And because of that, I had to move because I wasn't staying in New Mexico any longer. (laughs) I had no family or friends out there, and therefore, I was just not willing to be away from my emotional support system any longer. But anyway, I digress. Moral of the story is I chased my circumstances. I thought when I was in my one position in the HR role, oh, I don't really have any help. I need more people to support me. So therefore, I'm going to go to a company that has a bigger team that I can then delegate to. Then I went to a company that had a bigger team that I delegated to. But what did I do? I kept working late. I found myself back into I need to prove myself. And the hamster wheel started all over again. I need to prove myself. If only I get X, Y, and Z done. All of a sudden, it's everyone else's issue that I'm working late, that I'm stressed out. And then a new job opportunity became available. And I took that because, oh, there's more money. And this company is going to be a better fit for me. So what was I doing? I was chasing greener pastures only to find myself back in the same spot that I was in my last role because I was the common denominator, my friends. It was me. I was creating my own circumstances by following the bad habits that I created so long ago. I fell back into that thought, feeling, action pattern that resulted me in working late, that then resulted in the bigger picture, which was I was propelling myself down the burnout path. So you see how that happens? Now let's get into what the victim phase actually looks like. Your brain essentially is operating at 70% or less. You're waking up in the morning at eight o'clock or whenever it is that you have to wake up to go to work, and you're not 100%. Therefore, you're forgetful. Therefore, you're unable to concentrate. So you're doing a million different things at once and never completing any one thing. Then this leads to procrastination because you're always playing catch up. 
But again, it's not your fault. It's your circumstances fault. (laughs) And speaking of circumstances and the reason why you're procrastinating, you lead it all back to, I had interruptions today. There were changing plans today. And therefore, I had to do a million different things and I didn't get any one thing done. And now I'm behind. (laughs) So now my deadline is looming and I have to stay late in order to accomplish what I need to. So therefore, you're putting yourself again in the same situation of I have to work late in order to get this done. Things are taking you even longer to complete than they normally would. For example, you say, oh, I'm going to get these emails out before I go home. You give yourself 15 minutes because theoretically, that's all it should take. But now it's taking you an hour and 15. It's taking you triple the time that it should have. And this is because your brain is operating at such a lower level that everything is slower. Think about your phone when it's slow or say you have a refurbished phone like myself. Oh my gosh, it's driving me nuts. (laughs) I stupidly dropped my phone and I had to get it refurbished. And now whenever I'm typing something, it won't automatically go. It'll just like glitch out and then it'll take literally a minute for it to process everything that I just typed, or sometimes it won't even type anything out at all, and then I have to start all over again. So this is what the phase looks like. Everything is moving slower, and it's extremely frustrated because you, at one point, were in the ambition, in the if-only phase, when things are running at 80% or above, and now you're visibly in the 60 to 70 percent. And it's frustrating because you know what it looks like to be in that 80 to 100 and the efficiency and the productivity that were once there are no longer there. And it's driving you insane because you know that it can be accomplished. You know what you're capable of. Furthermore, in this phase, Other people easily stress you out. This would happen to me every single Monday. A, because I'm in HR, and B, I am extremely social. So my colleagues would come up to me and ask me, oh, how was your weekend? This is what I did. And on the outside, I would be conversing. I would be, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, oh gosh, yeah. And then I would get into what I did on the weekend But my brain in the background would be like, let's get this conversation moving because you don't have enough time in the day to get all the things done and this is a waste of your time. Then my thoughts would move to, oh, it must be nice. You clearly have nothing to do. (laughs) But I, I have all the things to do. So let's get this conversation going, my friends, because I got to go and do all of those important things, right? (laughs) And to even go further into it, because you're easily frustrated and you're judging everyone else, just like I mentioned, I was judging my coworker. So the fact that you're judging everyone else is leading you now to become paranoid that others are judging you. (laughs) 
So here, you're starting to miss deadlines because of your procrastination, because of your inability to concentrate, because your inability to prioritize. So now you're starting to doubt your ability to do your job. You're starting to doubt the ability to take care of your loved one or to teach your children everything that they need to in order to developmentally be where they're supposed to. So those are just some examples. In the victim phase, the Sunday dread that I talked about is even stronger. It's almost like a physical urge because your thoughts are so strong. They're on a constant loop that you actually feel the physical urge to go complete whatever it is that's bothering you. Let me give you an example. You're on a diet and you go to a birthday party and your favorite cake and ice cream is there. So what's happening in your brain is you're feeling the physical symptoms of, oh my gosh, I just need to have a bite of that ice cream. That's all I need and I'll feel so much better. So you're physically feeling the urge to walk over there grab the ice cream and put it in your mouth. (laughs) This is what the Sunday dread feels like at this point. So it has progressed to being more severe is what is happening in the victim phase. You're now experiencing more physical symptoms. Whereas in the if only phase, you may have experienced a headache here and there. You may have experienced some indigestion here and there. Now, It's become such a regular part of your life and you think to yourself, oh, I've always had this problem because you can't remember the last time that you didn't have this problem. But the fact of the matter is when you were in the ambition phase, you probably didn't have these symptoms at all. And then you moved into the if only phase and it was here and there. So it never bothered you and you never traced it back to the fact that you were having these symptoms due to your stress, now (laughs) it's become just a part of everyday life for you, something that you're just used to, quote unquote. In the victim phase, the way that you're dealing with your stress has now turned into more frequent. So for example, maybe you had a drink once or twice because you had a rough day, you deserved it, or you want to get to sleep and Sunday You're experiencing the dread and you know you need to sleep, so you're going to have a glass of wine. This turned into once or twice. Now, in the victim phase, you're going to have a drink three to four times a week. So you see how each of these symptoms are just carrying on into the next phase, but they're becoming more severe and they're becoming more frequent. This phase can also be summed up as the negativity, the cynical phase, (laughs) Because you're one walking cynic, essentially. If someone were to ask you, how's it going? You would then tell them, oh my gosh, this and this and this and this is wrong. And you would get into all the things about how it's everyone else's fault, right? So you're one big walking negative piece of luggage. (laughs) All of this emotional baggage and negativity then walks you right into the last phase of burnout, which is total burnout. You can only handle that much negativity and emotional baggage for so long. 
until it moves you into an even darker place, which is what happens when you are in this phase. It walks you right through the door to total burnout. So you're experiencing all of the same symptoms, but they're more severe and they're more frequent. The difference is you went to thinking that it was everyone else's fault to now you know it's your fault. You have realized that you are the common denominator. (laughs) Everyone agrees that you are the common denominator without a doubt. So what this looks like is you feel utterly helpless. You don't know where to start. You don't know how to start to make a change in your life, to get things back to how they were, right? In addition, you feel like it's never going to end. You're never going to be happy again. In fact, you can't even remember the last time you were happy. Furthermore, you feel inadequate in every area of your life because you have caused so much turmoil in each area. For me, I felt inadequate in every area of my life. That is what total burnout looks like. And because I felt totally inadequate, I had zero confidence, which was not a good place to be in my friends. I had zero confidence because I needed help prioritizing. I needed help making decisions. I was disappointing everyone left and right. I was disappointing myself. I felt like my job performance was slipping, was going in the tank. My relationships were at the point of breaking. So you can see how my personal life was negatively impacted. And really, it was like a war zone. (laughs) I had no relationships with my friends. My husband and I were fighting on a daily basis. And at work, I felt like I was always behind and that I was always playing catch up and that my work was never good enough. So you see how I'm in total devastation in every area of my life. Burnout has taken over literally every area of my life. And what that led to was depression. I no longer was interested in the things that I once enjoyed. Nothing would make me happy at this point. Everything cast a negative light. I was negative about everything. And I felt hopeless and helpless about everything, not just in the work setting. It cascaded into every area of my life. And my depression led me to totally stop meeting all of the obligations that I really had to meet. In the family life, at work, I was meeting my obligations, but not like I used to. And that was a hard pill to swallow. That led back to me feeling inadequate. And because you're depressed, you're probably not doing the things that you once enjoyed such as your hobbies. And in fact, if I were to ask you, what are your hobbies? You would have no clue. It would take you potentially days to figure out what it is that you used to like to do. And you would have no clue the last time you actually made time for your hobbies. (laughs) So not a good look, my friends. The last addition to the total burnout phase is you have become a zombie on the weekends. You're sleeping in, you wake up, and then you still feel utterly exhausted. So what do you do? 
you go and lay down in front of the TV and you're not meeting any of your obligations, you're missing your kid's soccer game, you're no longer going to church on Sundays, even though you know that it's going to set your week up to be happy and productive, you're too tired mentally and physically. So what do you do? You veg out in front of the TV, you go back to sleep. That's what your Saturday looks like. Then you move into Sunday and you have the urge that's taking over your entire day to do whatever it is that's burning you out. So now you've never really escaped from your burnout. (laughs) Even though you may have two days off in a row, one of those days is you're just feeling the pain of being mentally and physically exhausted and maybe the guilt of not meeting your obligations, not going to your kid's soccer game and you feel terrible about it, but you're so exhausted and you can't help it. (laughs) And then into Sunday where all you're thinking about is work. So in the total burnout phase, you're not escaping your burnout any of the days. There's not a day that you get off, my friends. It's your whole life at this point. And because you're so mentally and physically exhausted, it's taken a hit to your immune system. And in this phase of total burnout, you may be sick all the time. If you get a cold, it may last four weeks versus two weeks. I found myself in this situation all the time. I would get a sore throat and it would get worse and worse And it would get to the point where I would say, you know what, I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to call in sick. And then I would have anxiety about calling in sick because I was experiencing all of the paranoia and the anxiety that I wasn't doing well enough. But then my thoughts would come back to, well, I only work 12 hours a day, all day, every day. So the least they can do is give me one damn day, okay? Leave me alone. Don't contact me. I need a mental health day and I need to kick the sore throat. So (laughs) you see how each symptom kind of justifies another symptom and you don't even realize it. This is what the total burnout phase looks like. So essentially, you have all of the signs and symptoms that you once had in the ambition the if only, and the victim phase. You've got it all, my friends, and you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And that is why you're mentally and physically exhausted to the point where you feel totally, utterly helpless and hopeless. That's what total burnout looks like. It's wrecked total havoc on your life. So just to recap, the ambition phase is you're so focused on your future goals that you're going to do anything to get you there. And your thoughts might center around, I need to prove myself. And because of your future focus and your need to prove yourself, it propels you into take too much on. And then because you take too much on, you've got too many things to do and you can't catch up. You're always playing catch up. And your main thought in the if only phase is, If only, right? If only I get X, Y, and Z done. Now you're starting to have some adverse consequences to your actions, which is causing you to become extremely negative, extremely cynical, and you're justifying 
the cynicism and you're justifying your stress and the overwhelm because it's all due to your circumstances. So you're chasing your circumstances. You're chasing to get out of it. You're looking for greener pastures only to find yourself back into the situation that you were previously in. And then what happens is you can only handle so much of that emotional baggage that you start to become depressed and you start to come to the realization that you're the common denominator and you feel totally, utterly hopeless. That is the progression from the ambition to the if only to the victim to total burnout. So you see how each phase propels you into the next phase and that you're experiencing all of these symptoms plus whatever phase you're in? (laughs) Do you see now why it is extremely important to come to terms with where you're at in the process? Because if you do not come to terms where you're at in the burnout process, you're not going to be able to course correct. And if you're not able to course correct, you're going to end in total burnout. And when you're in total burnout, you start to make drastic decisions. The drastic decision that I made was leaving my job. That's pretty darn drastic, my friends. And it didn't have to be that way. If only I had a podcast like this to listen to when I was in the middle of all of the stress, all of the things, I would have been able to stop what I was doing and would have been able to say, okay, no more. I'm going to break these bad habits before they have negative impact in my life. And that is why it's really important to come to terms and to be honest with yourself to evaluate where you're at in the process. That is why I created a checklist to help you navigate where you're at in the burnout process. And in addition, that is why I went into my own examples so that I could paint a picture for what it may look like in your life and how it's showing up in your reality. But in order to accurately know where you're at in the process, I highly recommend that you do this exercise on your own and then have someone else review the checklist. (laughs) They may have some check marks by the boxes that you don't have check marks by, (laughs) but it's important for you to see the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And sometimes that takes a second set of eyes. So I highly encourage you to do that. So this is the first step in the process is to identify where you're at in the process, aka gain self-awareness, which is what we are going to do today. We are going to identify in this self-reflection exercise when you are happy and why And when things started to shift for you, when you went from happy to unhappy, then into burnout. So here it goes without further ado. Question number one, when was the last time you were truly happy? I want you to identify the actual time in your life. For me, it was before I ever got into human resources. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Question number two, what factors made you happy? What led to your happiness? When I look back, the reason why I was happy was because my relationships were great. I was hanging out with my family and friends on a regular basis and work was not taking over my life. I would go to work. I would come home and 
my focus would shift to the things that I had to do in my personal life, such as go to the gym, watch a TV show with my husband, go to dinner with my friends, go to my grandparents' house. It was balanced. The third question is, what other emotions did you experience as a result of being happy? For me, I felt a sense of achievement in my relationships. I was a good friend. I was a good wife. Also, I felt achievement in the health arena. I was going to the gym regularly. I was eating healthy. The fourth question is, when did things start to shift? So think back to when things started to shift for you and you found yourself discontent. When did this happen? When did that shift happen? Next question, what factors made you discontent? For me, it was, I was working too much. I didn't have any relationships with my family and friends. I went from being extremely happy in Toledo, Ohio, to moving across the country and not being down the road from my family, not being down the road from my family and friends, to having work take over and Therefore, I had no balance in my life like I used to, and my relationships went from flourishing to non-existent. So that is an example of the factors that I experienced that led me to be discontent. Next question, what emotions did you experience as a result of being unhappy? In each of these questions, I want you to free flow is what I call it. And what that means is I want you to ponder on each question and I want you to just put the pen to the paper and put all of your thoughts and all of your emotions out there and get it out into the open. Take your unconscious and bring it out into the conscious. That is the goal of this exercise, which is to bring to light when you were happy, when things started to shift, and then you started to go down the burnout path because you have to identify when this shift took place, how this shift took place so that you can identify where it all began. And then we can start diving deeper and deeper to uncover layer after layer as to what factors led you into burnout. We are going to get into that in future episodes But in order to manage our stress effectively and to overcome burnout, we have to take it one step at a time, my friends. (laughs) Rome was not built in a day. I wish it was. I wish we could snap our ruby red slippers and everything would fall into place and burnout would be gone. (laughs) Or we could say a prayer and God would snap his fingers and we would be living the life of our dreams without having to put any work into it. That's not how it works, my friends. We have to put in the work. We have to put in the time. We have to put in the honesty in order to achieve our goals. It's simple as that. You have to do the work. And that's a wrap, my friends. (laughs) We just covered the four phases of burnout and discovered when we were happy and when things started to shift for us. So what we're doing is We're becoming self-aware and identifying where it all happened so that we can come up with a plan to defeat and conquer. (laughs) All right. Thanks for hanging in there with me. 
talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I hope that you found value in today's episode, and I pray that you will make the commitment to take back control of your life and that God will give you the courage to move forward to live the life that you were meant to live. If this episode at all inspired you, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to the Burnout to Bless podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and leave me a review. By subscribing, you'll be the first to be notified when new episodes air. And by leaving a review, you'll help this podcast get noticed and hopefully change someone's life. If you're ready to take the next step to overcome burnout and live the life of your dreams, email me at coachinginfo at burnout, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, the number two, blessed.com. Again, that's coachinginfo at burnout, the number two, blessed.com to learn more about my customized coaching programs. Now remember, Rome was not built in a day. All you need to do is take it one step at a time, my friends, and I promise you, you will get to your destination. Until next time.